Ever snore so loud it registered as an earthquake or you woke up with a throat as dry as the Sahara Desert and a headache that could stop a locomotive? Well, I've had all of these because I have sleep apnea. Hi, I'm Scott Mitchell. Yep, I wear a machine plugged into a wall attached to a hose every night. Sound Sleep Medical changed all of this for me, and they can do that for you. They specialize in providing oral appliance therapy for individuals suffering from sleep disorders. In many cases, oral appliances have proven to be as effective as CPAP machines in treating sleep apnea. The lack of sleep is a serious health risk and has been linked to heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and even depression. The oral appliance I got from Sound Sleep Medical has freed me from a hose. I can go anywhere, and I've never slept better. Call Sound Sleep Medical today. Seriously, for a limited time, the first 25 people that call get a free consultation worth 200 bucks. Call 801-783-5451. It's 801-783-5451. Hello, I'm Jim Bennett. And I'm Sam Bennett. And this is Dinner Table Politics, and that is a voice you have not heard before. This is my son, Samuel, son number three, or child number three, correct? But I am still the alpha of all the family. The alpha of all the family. Well, you are the alpha, you say you are the alpha of the twins. No, the family too. The whole family. Except for Titus. Titus the dog, yes. yes. Okay. Well, you have told us many times that you are the man of the house. Is that correct? It is very correct. All right. That is nice to know. Well, this has been a tricky week because Abby has started work. She started a new job, and so that's thrown our dinner table politics recording schedule out of whack. And we're trying to figure out how to get that back in whack. But in the meantime, thought this would be an opportunity to introduce you to son Samuel Bennett, who is an identical twin with his brother Jetty Bennett who is with Abby tonight, actually. They're at the Ariana Grande concert. Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. Am I mispronouncing that? She's a queen. <laughs> Don't mess with her. I understand. See, the thing is, as I was talking to Sam about this, Sam, could you just give us a general assessment of how you feel about politics in general? I just don't care about politics. There's my assessment. See, and that's what I want to talk about, actually, because all of the research suggests that you are not atypical of your generation. You are, according to the statistics, you are a member of Generation Z, right? Ooh. Yes. Well, I'm a member of Generation X, and Generation Y are usually called the Millennials, and there's some controversy as to whether or not Abby actually qualifies as Generation why is a millennial depending on who you talk to abby was born in january of 97 which may make her the very first member of generation z because they usually say that the millennials go up until 1996 but you were born in 2001 correct yeah year of the snake baby it was the year of the snake very very it's very nice see you knew that I did. You say you don't know anything about politics, but you do know something about the year of the snake. I, I, that's all I know. Ah, well, that's good. So, But I thought it would be interesting to talk to you to get a sense of where your generation sits with regard to politics and how much you know and how much you understand and how much you expect out of politics. And so one of the easy things to do would be to put you on the spot and ask you questions that you may not know the answer to. For instance, do you know who the President of the United States is? The Donald Trump. 
Okay. Very well done. Do you know who the vice president of the United States is? It used to be Joe Biden. <laughs> uh, can you name, according to according to some research, 53% of Americans as a whole cannot name a single Supreme Court justice. Can you name a single Supreme Court justice? No. You can't name one? No. Did you remember the big controversy about replacing a Supreme Court justice? Uh, not really. No? Okay. <laughs> no. All right. Now, what's funny here, you can't see this, but uh, at, at, <laughs> on uh, Sam's right hand here is a friend, Chandler Glauser. I'm, I'm calling you out. I should tell people to follow you on Instagram. Is that right, Chandler? Yeah. At Chandler right. Glauser. At, at Chandler Glauser. But he's sitting here because he's trying to make sure that Sam has somebody who can prompt him with all the right answers. So did he give you the name of a Supreme Court justice? John G. Roberts Jr. Yes, he's the, he's the chief justice of the hey, Supreme Court. Hey, hey. Well done. So, you know, what's fascinating to me is if I feel bad about putting you on the spot like this because this is exactly how I feel. Whenever you and your brothers and sisters talk about sports, no, right? What happened today in sports, for instance? Can you give me a just a an overall view of what happened at Wimbledon? Uh, Wimbledon, Serena lost. Very sad moment in straight sex sets. <laughs> six two, six two. Did you say straight sex? I didn't mean to. All right, sorry. We'll try to edit that out, or maybe we won't. We'll see. Keep going. Um, I. And then Anthony Davis was announced as a Laker. He is number three. He is not taking his original number because Nike had a production problem with uh, LeBron's jersey so that he couldn't switch numbers either. All right. See, so what this demonstrates to me, I mean, Sam, you are a bright kid. You graduated near the top of your class. You, uh, you had a 4.0 when you were in school. Uh, you have you've got a scholarship that's going to pay all of your tuition when you go to BYU based on your grades and academic performance. So anybody listening to this who gets the impression that the fact that you don't know anything about politics is somehow indicative of your lack of ability, of your lack of intellectual ability, I think that's absolutely wrong. And I think what this demonstrates is that politics as an idea, has not animated Generation Z in any way that is meaningful to them. Can you think of the last time a political event happened that had an impact on your life or that you cared about? Uh, probably Grandpa's election. How old were you? You weren't very old. No, I was nine. You were nine years old? Yeah. And what was your reaction to it? What was your know. experience with it? I was just sad. I mean, he's like my grandpa, so I just expect him to win. So that's, that's all I knew. And so it opened the door to the reality that people don't always win their elections. Yeah. And, well, so that's interesting because I can remember my grandfather uh, retired from the Senate when I was six years old. I was born in Washington, D.C., and I was jealous of my brother and my sister who were older than I was because they were old enough to participate in all kinds of Senate activities. They got to go to do things with Grandpa. 
And little Jimmy was just too young to be able to go do anything like that. And so I have no memory of my grandfather as a senator. And I actually grew up in Southern California, so I didn't have any sort of firsthand interaction with him when he was representing Utah. And so it's interesting to me that your earliest political memories are tied to your grandfather and that when you were nine years old, it was significant enough to you that it had an impact on you. When Trump won election, did that mean do anything to you? Did you care? Uh, I guess I cared, but like, I just kind of knew what my family knew. I didn't really know much about the election. Right. Were you surprised? Yeah, because I thought he was a joke candidate at first. Right. <laughs> and then he won. So I heard he was trying to take Oprah as his vice president at one point. So it was right. So, so you were just sort of following it with regard to its sort of pop culture impact. Yeah. Not necessarily because there was any sort of political idea that animated you. Yeah. Is there anything in politics that you care about? Not necessarily politics itself, but is there an issue that matters to you? Immigration, abortion, or any of these kinds of things? Are, are these kinds of things you think about or they just don't really figure into your landscape at all? Uh, I don't know. It just kind of depends on the situation. So like this year in school, we studied, um, environmental science a lot. So I got to know about climate change and just kind of like pollution. That's a, I guess noticing that right was a big impact to me, I guess. So, so you, things were brought up in school that had an impact on Yeah. You. Okay. But they don't ever talk about politics in school. They don't ever talk about who's running for office. No. Not really. That's just not an issue. Yeah. All right. Well, what I'm going to do when we get back from our break, we're going to take a break. And then when I come back, I'm going to ask you some of the questions that Pew Research asked other members of your generation. Ah, oh, geez. Because, I, <laughs> well, these aren't, these aren't yes or no questions. I'm not putting you on the spot and asking you, you know, who the Supreme Court Justice is. We still haven't figured out, you still haven't figured out who the vice president is? Uh, No. My note guy is failing me. Oh, you know, he's, he's, he's looking at you here. He gave it to you earlier. How come you remember Joe Biden, but you don't remember the current vice president? Because I have Joe Biden's work phone. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's Mike Pence. Uh, that's correct. Well, we need to explain that a little bit. Why do you have Joe Biden's work phone? Because uh, I got my grandpa's old phone and have like all his old contacts. So you go through those and look, have you ever thought about calling Joe Biden and saying, hey, is your refrigerator running? I don't think it would work anymore. You never know. All right. Well, when we get back, we're going to talk about the things that matter to Generation Z. All right. So now that everybody knows that you have Joe Biden's work phone, you also confess that you emailed three different senators for a fundraiser at school. Is that right? Yeah. Do you remember which senators they were? No, I don't. You just thought, okay, I got some senator. Maybe they'll give us. Give I me think some I money. emailed Senator Hatch. Okay, but there are more than two senators. Yeah, I know. In three senators. Yeah, yeah. So who was the one outside of you? Did you email Senator Lee? Uh, no. Okay. It was just some senator. I just looked up senator and I have a bunch in my... Oh, Chandler's trying to get... Yes, yes, thank you, Chandler. Chandler tells us that the two senators that are from Utah are Mike Lee and Mitt Romney. Thank you. We appreciate that. I knew that. Okay, so Pew Research did a comprehensive poll of 
of Generation Z to determine where they stand on a whole bunch of issues. And they aren't the kinds of issues that usually define American politics. For instance, uh, do you know someone who uses gender-neutral pronouns? No. You do not? Okay. Because Generation Z, 35% of members of Generation Z uh, know someone who uses gender-neutral pronouns compared to 25% of Millennials, 16% of Generation X, 12% of Baby Boomers, and 7% of the Silent Generation, which are the people who are older than Baby Boomers. I th- I'm, I'm not sure if your grandmother, I think your grandfather was a member of the Silent Generation, but your grandmother is eight years younger than your grandfather. The Silent Generation. The Silent Generation, yes. All right, so... Uh, do you think that um, blacks are treated fairly in the United States? No, there are cases all, like all around the U.S. about how, like, they just like people think they are, I guess, and like we're doing a lot better than it used to be, but there are still a lot of cases where they're not. Okay, uh, so. Uh, that's consistent with Generation Z. Um, they're, uh, 43% of Generation Z says the same thing you just said, whereas 30% of Millennials and 20% of Generation Xers and Boomers and Silence say, say the same thing. So, all right, here's a question. Do you think government should do more to solve problems or do you think government is doing too many things better left to businesses and individuals? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, probably the second option. The second option. The government is doing too many things better left to businesses and individuals. Correct? Uh, correct. All right. So you are out of step with your generation. A whopping 70% of Generation Z believes that government should do more to solve problems and only 29% say it's doing too many things better left to businesses and individuals. Uh, I take credit for having instilled that into your brain because I'm no longer a Republican, but the principles that animated me when I was a Republican included the idea that government is usually not the best solution to problems that when individuals and private organizations get involved they're usually more effective than government is so well done so i'm glad i had some kind of impact okay do you all right here's the question uh, earth is getting warmer a due to human activity b due to natural patterns c the earth is not getting warmer d not sure. I would say A, due to human activity. The earth is getting warmer due to human activity. Okay, so 54% of Generation Z says the same thing. 56% of millennials say the same thing. So it's interesting that millennials are just slightly more likely to say that. 48% of Generation X agree, 45% of baby boomers agree, and only 38% of the silent generation agrees so it's you 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 said initially that climate change is something that was taught to you in school and something was important to you in your studies 
So there's an area where you're getting an understanding of a political issue from your education. Are you concerned about any kind of bias that you're getting from your teachers? Do you get a sense? If you were to say, okay, um, more of my teachers are Republicans than Democrats, or would you say more of your teachers were Democrats than Republicans, or would you say, I don't have any idea? I have no idea any of their political ties. Now, that's interesting, because when I was growing up, I my government teacher, for instance, my favorite government teacher, probably my favorite teacher of all time, Lee Shagan of Calabasas High School, got up and he said, you know, you're not supposed to know uh, where your teachers stand. He says, I think that's nonsense. I think it's much better that you know where we stand. And then, you you know, you, you don't think that we're trying to pull one over on you. And he drew the political spectrum and he put himself beyond the spectrum far left. Very, very far left. But uh, I would think he's also sort of a libertarian to some degree. But uh, it's interesting that you don't have any sense of that. Because Republicans continually complain that academia has been taken over by left-wing ideologues. You don't get that sense? Uh, maybe they have. I don't know. Maybe they have. Maybe they're brainwashing me. Okay. Well, let's get back to the Pew Research here. Um, okay, here are three different choices. The United States is better than all other countries in the world. The United States is one of the best countries, along with some others. There are other countries better than the United States. Which of those three options do you agree with? B. B. The U.S. is one of the best countries along with some others. Now, see, that's very interesting because that's generational. Uh, 56% of your generation agrees with that statement. Uh, whereas, uh, oh, and only 14% say the U.S. is better than all other countries in the world. And 30% say there are other countries better than the United States. If you go to the silent generation... 45% of them say the U.S. is better than all other countries in the world. And then 48% would say the U.S. is one of the best countries along with some others. And only 5% say there are other countries better than the United States. So, and so it scales down. You're, you're pretty much exactly linked up with the millennial generation. But it's very interesting because I grew up with the idea... Of American exceptionalism. America. America, right? America is the greatest country in the world. And it was just sort of assumed that that was the case. And I, the first presidential election that I can really remember paying attention to was the 1980 presidential election, which Ronald Reagan... 80 and 84, I can't remember if this was the slogan in 80 or, or 84, but Ronald Reagan kept talking about how it's mourning in America, that America's future is unbelievably bright. And Ronald Reagan rode in to office on the idea that America was better than everybody else. And that really rankled a lot of people. And at this point, you now have Donald Trump preaching sort of a similar thing but there's a rancidness to it. There's this sort of curdled idea that it's not just America is greater than everybody. It's that everybody else can just go soak their heads. 
And I never got that sense from Reagan. Reagan was so optimistic and was so, and he wasn't nearly as antagonistic as Donald Trump is. Maybe I'm looking back with rose-colored glasses. And you don't have any idea because do you even know who Ronald Reagan is? I know who Ronald Reagan is. You know who Ronald Reagan is. All right. Well, when we come back from our break, we're going to finish up on some of these questions. And then I'm going to ask you some questions of my own. (laughs) Oh. All right. So what I'm thinking I need to do is I want to leave this running during the breaks because you guys have these amazing political conversations (laughs) Well, and then I get you on the microphone, and you're like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. So come on, lean in here. What were you talking about during the break? Uh, We were talking about how economically the U.S. is, isn't it number one? It's, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's still number one, but China's like just because of all the production and the... So you're saying China's catching up to us. So like... Economically. Economically, China's like really close to catching up to the U.S., which is... If you look back in history, like all of the powerhouses, come lean in here, Chandler. This is Chandler Glauser here. Well, all of the powerhouses of like the world. If you look back in history, they've all been like the best economic, best economic uh, country. So the U.S. has been the best economic country since like the Revolutionary War. Since we've really become like the powerhouse. Um, and I mean, I mean, during like the world, the. 20th century like we kind of shared it with the soviet union and stuff but now we've kind of like become number one but china's like quickly catching up with all the okay when you say the united states is number one but china is catching up what do you mean just like economically okay but economically like the money money and like the production that they have just like the resources and everything okay it's just like they're starting to becoming like... Because I could throw out some economic terms that might throw you for a loop. Probably wouldn't understand. Gross domestic product, for instance. GDP. GDP. Do you yeah. know what that is? Yeah, I know a little bit about Okay. That. I don't know like Because lot, when we say that the United States is the strongest country economically in the world, or that China is catching up, there are all kinds of things to consider in that regard. And it it calls to mind to me, and this is something, Sam, that you the should office. have the office. The yes. office, right? I, I, I'm sort of the Oscar Garcia uh, point of view, as opposed to the Michael Scott point of view, because there are a number of factors that I think still make the United States easily the strongest economy in the world. Uh, one being the labor market, and the fact that China has China pays dirt to everybody who try to do anything and that's one of the reasons why China is is has taken over most of the manufacturing in the world is because they pay their people less than nothing. And so, you know, manufacturing in the United States is a whole lot more expensive because we have a minimum wage and we have all kinds of other other kinds of protections for workers that the Chinese do not have. So when people say, "Okay, well China's going to take over there's just so much to consider there. And so, but I, I don't want to throw all of that out at you. But it's very interesting to me to see what your perceptions are as you talk about this. Because you say, oh, I don't know anything about politics. And then the microphone goes off. It's like, well, you know, the Chinese economic output is seriously going to go overtake the United States. And I'm thinking, these guys are a lot smarter than they're letting on. Sorry, my bad. All right, so. I apologize. Okay, so. Um, do you approve or disapprove of NFL players choosing to kneel during the national anthem as a form of protest? 
I guess, like, do I want them to do it? Or, like, do I just care if they do it? Like That is the question. Do you approve or do you disapprove? I guess I would approve. I mean, they have, it's like almost like a freedom of speech type of thing. They do have the freedom of speech. Right, so Generation Z and Millennials are 61 and 62% approve. Generation X, my generation, says they disapprove by 53%. Boomers disapprove by 61%. Silent Generation by 68%. Uh, I'm trying to think where I stand on that because I don't care. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I don't care. I don't care what Colin Kaepernick thinks about he's a, anything he's a crappy quarterback by the way to anybody listening all right so yeah i just don't care so i'm not offended by it i think it's kind of obnoxious to be on national television and to have this kind of privileged life where you're getting paid more than most people ever make in a lifetime in True. a single year and yet you you are I, I just think it's kind of obnoxious, but I don't think it's... He had to find a way to get back to the spotlight after he lost his starting job because okay. he's I a think, crappy quarterback. I think kneeling during the, I think kneeling during the anthem, I, I kind of disapprove with that because there was a, a scenario last year, um, I believe it was the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they had like the whole team didn't go out to like the field to, to stand for the national anthem, but they had one player who'd served in the military who stood out there by himself, and I think, um, like, there's better ways to kind of protest what you want. Like, I believe in what they, like, are talking about or what they're protesting, like, Black Lives Matter and all that stuff, and, like, they do deserve more. But also, I feel like it kind of takes away from the entertainment, which is what the NFL is about. Right. No, I understand that completely. All right, so um, is ethnic diversity a good thing for our society? Yes. All right. You agree with 62% of your generation. The silent generation only says 42% say that ethnic diversity is good for society. Uh, I wouldn't think that's a... I'm actually surprised by that because I don't see that as a controversial issue. All right. Here comes a controversial issue. Ooh, here it comes. Okay. Um, Gay and lesbian couples being allowed to marry is a good thing for society, doesn't make a difference, is a bad thing for society. I would just say good thing. You agree with 48% of Generation Z, whereas the silent generation, only 18% agree with that. Uh, People of different races marrying each other is a good thing for society. Uh, doesn't make a difference for society, a bad thing for society. I feel like that doesn't really make a difference. It's like either good or it doesn't make a difference, but it's not a bad thing. It's just them expressing who, who they are. Like, Well, it just it just is what it is. Yeah. I mean, there's no controversy really about that anymore. Yeah. Uh, but I, I look at that and it's very interesting because – even even now, in 2019, only 20% of the silent generation says that interracial marriage is a good thing for society. Although 66% of them say it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So only 14% say it's bad. So I guess I'm beating up on them somewhat. But, but it's very interesting to see all of these sorts of ideas coming forward. We haven't gotten to the end of this, 
But we're going to take our final break. We're going to finish up the poll questions. And again, I'm going to get to the questions I have. I'm going to drill down and see what it is that makes Sam Bennett tick. Are you excited? Yeah, it's Star Wars. Star Wars. We'll talk about that when we get back. All right, a lot of these questions from Pew Research focus on gender differences. Uh, Do you think more women running for political office is a good thing for society? Yes, it is a good thing. Now, what's interesting is that 57% of men in Generation Z agree with you. 76% of women in Generation Z agree with you. Even the silent generation, majorities of both men and women agree, except for more men agree than women in the silent generation, 57 to 54%. Weird. Which I thought was kind of interesting. So you go through all of this. Okay, um... Millennials, okay, do you think that society is not accepting enough about right or too accepting of people who don't identify as either a man or a woman? Not accepting enough or too accepting? Or about right? Um, I'm going to go with about right. Okay. So you agree with 26% of Generation Z, whereas 50% say not accepting enough. Oh, shoot. Uh, well, no, it's all right. It's just interesting to see where all these go through. And they talk about gender-neutral pronouns and all of that kind of thing. So as you go through this, it's very clear to me. There was a maxim taught to me when I was a kid that if you are conservative when you are young, you have no heart. And if you are liberal when you are old, you have no brain. And it's always been the case that younger people tend to have more liberal or progressive ideas than the older generation. But what I'm seeing now, or what I I look at my own life and I look at what's happening in politics now, I think those kinds of divisions are not anywhere near as clean as they used to be. Because I don't see politics as having the kind of pervasive influence that it had when I was your age. and Because you are able to live a life that really is unaffected by politics to some degree. And I think that's a good thing. I think that it's good that people don't spend a lot of time with, with focusing on politics when they're spending time living their lives. Can you tell everybody what it is you're going to be doing as of August 20th? I will be flying down to Mexico and then to Argentina to preach the gospel. You are going to be a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Heck yeah, I am. Chandler, you're going to Detroit? New Jersey. Oh, you're going to New Jersey. Annika's going to Detroit. Annika's going to Detroit. Okay. So uh, you're focused on that. that. That's the most important thing. Now, so here are my questions. Are you going to vote in the 2020 election? No, because I'll be in Argentina. But you can get an absentee ballot. I can? I was a missionary in Scotland in 1988, and that was the first presidential election I was eligible to vote for. And I kicked myself because I didn't get a ballot because I didn't even know the election was happening. I completely forgot about it. I left in 1987 before the election was really heating up, 
and I just stopped paying any attention to it, and I was completely removed from it. And then I remember being in somebody's house, and they had the TV on, and there was George H.W. Bush giving his acceptance speech. And I thought, holy crud, we have a new president. It was really bizarre to me. So I think you should take this opportunity to to request an absentee ballot and vote while you're a missionary. What if I am not educated enough on the people running? Well, that's my next question. Okay. My next question is, if the election were held today, who would you vote for? And given that you don't know who Mike Pence is, this might be a kind of a tricky question for you. Who's running? Well, you know who one of them is because you have his private phone number. Joe Biden? Joe Biden. Is oh, oh, my guy. Your guy, Joe Biden, is the, um, is the front runner right now among the Democrats. But you haven't registered with a political party yet. I have not. They tried to get me to register with the United Utah Party while you were running. Yes. And did you? I never got to it on my phone. <laughs> we need to get you to register with the United Utah Party. Absolutely. And so that that's that's my pitch for the United Utah Party. But it's it's interesting to me, you have a choice to make, and this is the first time you have both the right and the responsibility to make that choice. So I think between now and August 20th, before you disappear, I would spend a little bit of time figuring out who's running for office and what it is that you want. And when the time comes, I'm going to make sure you get an absentee ballot. Kanye 2020. There you go. We'll have to leave it at that. If you are listening to this podcast on the radio, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast at the KSL Podcast Center or on iTunes. So until next week, I'm Jim Bennett. And I'm Sam Bennett. And you are? I'm Chandler Glauser. There you go. Well done, Chandler. See you next time on Dinner Table Politics. Yeah. Yeah.